Welcome back, Derek. Welcome back to the rest of you also. Hey, welcome back to me and my family. We were away uh, last week as well. So many people are traveling right now with uh, different vacations and different family events. Marco, thank you so much for uh, leading everyone through a study last week, and thank you for centering our minds on what's taking place in your home country of Guatemala and uh, for us to be able to have that prayer. Keep Keep all those in Guatemala in your prayers, those who are being affected at this time. So many different things going on in our world from Hawaii to Guatemala to things happening in Europe. And uh, we, this is a time where we constantly need to be people of prayer. And we encourage you to do that and to remember the different things that we talk about whenever we come together here. You know, we have not come here this morning to escape the world. We have come here to recharge in order that we might be able to engage the world more powerfully in the name of Jesus. That's why we are here. That's why we have assembled and, and come together. And so, I, I hope you've been looking forward to us being here today because I've been looking forward to being back together, being back together with you. It was six months ago that we took a chance and stepped into the currents of grace. And for the last six months, we have spent our time here, whenever we come together on Sundays, looking into Scripture and allowing the grace of God to flow over us. And it's been a series of lessons that have been very challenging, very convicting, and at the same time, also very unsettling. And I have had some of you who have come to me and said, you know, Chris, I, I don't know if in my life, I have gone through an extended series on the subject of grace before. Maybe here and there, I'll hear a message on it, but to, to spend a concentrated amount of time looking into the grace of God, more than one has told me that's just not something that we did at the church that I grew up at, or that's just not something that's been a part of my Christian DNA. And you've come and you've talked to me about the freedom that you feel as you have gone through these studies, and you have come and, and talked to me about the anxiety also that these studies have brought as we have looked some, we've looked sometimes at things that have seemed brand new and have, have caused you to, to look deeper into the walk that you have with God, the relationship with you have with Him, and the way in which you see the life that you live before Him. And we're going to continue this walk. We're going to continue this, this journey. You might remember that we began in January with the idea of mind bender. We talked about how that we were trying to wrap our minds around the heart of grace, and we really tried to look at the, the theological impact that grace has on our life. We moved on from there and talked about messy grace and discovered that when grace comes into our lives, it comes in and it deals with some of the most difficult and some of the most ugliest parts of our life. And most recently, we went through the gallery of grace, and we just looked at different individuals in Scripture and how they lived with the grace of God. And in the process, we saw ourselves in the pages of Scripture because the way in which these individuals were living and the way in which they were experiencing the grace of God, but it was the same way that you and I, that we have been experiencing that grace. But I thought for this summer we would come in and just spend a few minutes together each week 
looking at where the rubber just really hits the road. And saying, all right, so we've talked about grace and we have looked at how God in his generosity has just poured out his love and mercy upon us. And it's not something that we've asked for. It's not something that we've earned. But, but how does it affect me right here and, and right now? And so one of the things I want to get across from the very beginning is the idea that, that look, Maybe you understand that grace is something that saves you, but you also understand that it is grace by which you live. See, don't look at grace as just being something that is connected to your salvation, to your relationship with God, to your standing in righteousness with Him. I also want you to think about grace from the terms of the individuals that you're setting beside. I want you to think about grace in the terms of the individuals that you live with. The people who live beside you, those that you work with, the individuals that you deal with on a regular basis, and understand that the grace that you have received is meant to be shared. Because grace isn't just about getting us to heaven, it's about getting heaven in us. And once heaven is in us, then we are sharing that with the individuals that we live with and that we work and play with, because the grace of God is to be experienced. And it's to be experienced daily. It's not just something reserved for church services. It's not just something that sounds good during Bible class sessions in small groups. It is something that is to be here, right here, and right now as God uses us to impact the world around us. Casey read earlier from 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. I want you to focus on this passage again. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Write this down on your GPH. We are instruments of God's grace. We're instruments of God's grace. God gives His people grace not so they can hoard it, but so that they can share it with the others that they live with and work with and serve with. He intends to fill the earth with His glory. And here's the deal. God has decided to fill the earth with His glory by using you. Yeah, how crazy is that, right? You don't even get to open your own cans at home. But yet God wants to use you to fill the world with His grace. God wants to use you to impact the people that are around you. He wants to use me. He wants to use a people who get faith and hope wrong all the time. He wants to use a people who sin and act unbecomingly despite grace and despite forgiveness. People who forget their identity in Christ. People who forget what they have been called to do. People just like you. And God says, you're an instrument of my grace. And I have poured out my grace upon you, not so that you can keep it to yourself, but so that you can share it. Repeat after me if you would. I am an instrument of grace. Man, I like that sound. Let's do that one more time. That sounded really good. I am an instrument of grace. And because of that, because you and I are instruments of grace, there is grace for the real world. A world where deadlines are missed and fast food orders are wrong. Does that just not bug you to no end? 
I mean, it happens everywhere but Chick-fil-A, right? Amen. I mean, let's just, let's just be honest. Jeff Corbin, we thank you. God loves you. And uh, shout out to your brother. I mean, is it really that hard, right? Now, every once in a while, when they mess the order up, they mess it up in a graceful way. So last night, there was no Chick-fil-A around, so I went through the drive-thru at McDonald's. And I go through and I order a number three. The number three is a quarter pounder with cheese. I usually ask for it with no pickle, please. I pull up. I pay my amount. I then go and begin to take everything out of the bag. And I open it up. I did not have a quarter pounder with cheese, no pickle. I had a double quarter pounder with cheese and no pickle. God's grace had come to me. All of the years of going to McDonald's and getting somebody else's order, now it was time for the Lord to repay me for that. And then I looked on the receipt and I found out it wasn't the Lord's grace at all because I had paid for a double quarter pounder. And I asked for a number three and they gave me a number four and I paid for it. Is there grace for the real world? A world where spouses cheat and children disappoint. A world where it seems like more and more it's okay to blow your cool and to just spout off with all kinds of vitriol. A world of family dysfunction and church implosion. But I am an instrument of grace and you are an instrument of grace, and because of that, there is grace for the real world. So let's get real. In this world, you get what you're willing to give. In this world, you get what you're willing to give. is isn't something that I came up with, it's actually something that Jesus talked about as He was teaching His followers to pray. Listen to His words recorded in Matthew chapter 6. There in the great Sermon on the Mount, beginning in verse 12, and forgive us our debts. Maybe your translation says, forgive our sins as we also have forgiven our debtors. Moving on to verse 14, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, before we discuss what these verses mean, let's point out what these verses do not mean. The text seems to suggest, just at first glance, that God's grace is received by giving grace. And at first blush, the phrase appears to present a type of triangular peace treaty. If I forgive my enemy, then God will forgive me. And a casual reading just suggests that we earn our forgiveness by forgiving others. Mercy, by me, merits salvation for me. But such an interpretation is simply impossible for the reason that it conflicts with the rest of Scripture. Because if I can attain forgiveness by forgiving others, or by doing any kind of good work, then why do I need a Savior? If I can pay for my sins through my mercy, then why did I need Jesus' mercy? You understand? If I can be forgiven by things that I do, then I do not need Jesus. 
If salvation is a result of my effort, then why did Paul insist in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 that we have been saved by grace through faith? Not of yourselves so that no one can boast. This is the gift of God. It's a free gift. And so if we're already forgiven, then why does Jesus teach us to pray, Lord, forgive us our debts? I think it's the very reason that you would like for your children to do the same. If my children violate a standard that Tanya and I have set, if they disobey a rule, I don't disown them. I don't, guys, really. I don't kick them out of the house. I don't tell them to change their last name. Don't do anything like that. But I do expect them to be honest and apologize. And until they do, the tenderness of our relationship suffers. The nature of the relationship is not altered, but the intimacy that we have is. And the same thing happens when it comes to our walk with God. Understand that confession does not create a relationship with God. It simply nourishes that relationship. If you're a believer in Christ Jesus, then the admission of your sins does not alter your position before God, but it enhances the peace that you have with God. So Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father, forgive my debts. It's a confession where you are agreeing with God. That's what confession means. The word that we translate into our Bible's confession, the word means agreement. And it means that you are agreeing with God that, you know what, what I just did was wrong. The thoughts that I have are wrong. The direction I'm going, it's all wrong. God, I agree with you that you are holy and I am not. God, I agree with you that I need to be going this way, but I'm going that way and I need to change. There needs to be a repentance that takes place. You see, you may be God's child, but let's be honest, there are times that you don't want to talk to Him. He still loves you, but until you admit what you've done, there's going to be tension in the house. And just as unconfessed sin hinders joy, confessed sin releases it. You see, when we admit sin, we're kind of like the first grader that goes and stands before the teacher with a messy paper. <coughs> Excuse me. It says, can I get a do-over because I colored outside all the lines? Can I start over? And the teacher says, of course you can. Here's, here's another clean sheet. And so happy is the first grader who gets a second chance at coloring his paper. Now, here's the way Scripture records it. Happy is the person whose sins are forgiven, whose wrongs are pardoned. And so we dash back to our seat and we begin coloring again. But can you think of an instance where a teacher might look at the student and say, ah, I don't think you get to start over this time. Can you think of an example when that might happen where this child did not receive a second chance? You see, suppose the teacher witnesses the student earlier in the assignment, have the opportunity to give a clean sheet of paper to a neighbor that was sitting beside him or her. And when given that opportunity, the, the young student says, no, you can't have any of mine because it's my paper and, and I don't want to part with it. And so the student hugs his notebook close and tight. And so now the teacher says, I tell you what, I'm going to grant you the same kindness that you earlier gave your classmate. 
The way you treated Harry right there is the way that, is the way that I'm going to treat you. You're still my student. I'm still your teacher. I'm not kicking you out of class, but I am going to give you a chance to learn a lesson. You see, now we're starting to get down to the nitty-gritty of this verse and understand what this phrase is talking about when Jesus says that we should pray, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Do you understand that Jesus is teaching you to say, God, treat me as I treat my neighbor? All of a sudden, it gets heavy on our shoulders, doesn't it? Are you aware that that's what you're saying to your father? Give me what I give them. Give me the peace that I grant others. Let me enjoy the same tolerance that I share with my family. God will treat you the way that you treat others. And maybe you've noticed before, but in any given Christian community, there's always two groups. Those who are contagious in their joy and those who are just cranky in their faith. One is grateful and the other is grumpy. Both are saved. Both are heaven bound. But one sees the rainbow and the other, all they can see is the rain. And I wonder if this principle right here actually explains the difference. Could it be that one group is experiencing the same joy that they're sharing in their home and in their office, while another group is experiencing, well, they're experiencing the, the result of just their negativity. They're experiencing what it is that they're sharing with others. One says, I forgive you and feels forgiven. The other says, I'm ticked off, and they live ticked off at the world. And so you never know what to say, you never know what to do, you're, you're always walking on eggshells around them and you're wondering, what's the deal? Maybe, maybe you're receiving what it is that you're giving. Here's how Jesus put it elsewhere, Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 37. He says, don't judge others and you will not be judged. Don't accuse others of being guilty and you will not be accused of being guilty. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. You will be given much, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will spill into your lap. And the way that you give to others is the way God will give to you. You want to just take a picture of that verse with your phone? You want to mark it down in, in your Bible for a minute? You see, it's as if, it's as if God sends you to Publix to purchase your neighbor's groceries. And he says, whatever you get for your neighbor is what you get to enjoy. Now, that's pretty simple. I can get that, all right? I can, I can wrap my mind around it. And, and so, God sends me to, to Publix for my neighbor. And let me tell you, I love some Milo's sweet tea, right? I mean, can you be from the South and not drink the nectar of the gods right here. I mean, I just don't understand it. Went to Florida this last week, and I knew that I had raised my daughter right because she said, Dad, do you think we can get sweet tea in Florida? I was like, you don't know. I mean, you, you, know, you just never know once you get down there around Orlando what's going to happen, right? But I would go, and, and I would make sure that I would get sweet tea and Lay's potato chips. Man, the good salty, I mean, the, 
These are good eats, buddy. I mean, I'll tell you. And you can't eat. Just one. All right? And you gotta eat multiple. And so, I would get these for my neighbor. Mark, here. There you go. Have one. There you go. Right. Um, I would get these for my neighbor. And I would get peanut butter filled pretzel nuggets. I mean, can I get an amen from somebody? I mean, these are great. I mean, these are really good. And because I, I, have to, um, I have to go home to my wife, I'll get some bananas. Because <laughs> um, you need to have fruit, right? I mean, you need to have, uh, I've been told fruit, fruit is important. So, so anyway, I'll, I'll get bananas. So I'll, I get this, all right? I'll go and I'll get these for my neighbor. And, and whatever I get for my neighbor, that's also what I receive, and, and I'm going to enjoy being able to um, just snack out right here, right? It's going to be good. But then what happens one day if, what happens one day if my neighbor's trash blows over into my yard? And I call my neighbor up and I say, hey man, um, all your trash is in my yard and I, do you mind coming? I'll help you pick it up, but do you mind coming and helping get, get some of this, you know, up? And he says, oh, don't worry about it. It'd be good fertilizer. I'm like, well, I've got people coming over to the house tonight. I'd really like it to, to look a little better. And he says, well, I'll get to it, you know, when I can. And so I hang up the phone with him and I said, you know what? I just need to go over and have a face-to-face with him. That's what I need to do, right? And so here I go. And about the time I leave the door, I, um, I hear God say, you know what? Actually, it's time for you to go buy groceries for your neighbor. Oh, it is. That'd be a good thing to do. I think I'll go and do that. And so I go to um, the grocery store, and I'm not going to get him sweet tea, because that's only for people that God loves. Um, I'm I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to… I'm not going to get chips. Instead, I'm going to get sardines. That's, that's what I'm going to get right, right here. Anybody ever had some sardines? Have you ever? What? Yeah. We'll hold off on that. Oh, and, and let's see. How about I walk past the peanut butter and instead I go to the beets? Because, I mean, I think that will be something good. That my, uh, that my neighbor will enjoy. And what about Brussels sprouts? I mean, who doesn't? Who doesn't enjoy getting, um, getting some Brussels sprouts? I think that'll be good. And, um, and mayonnaise. I mean, let's just get a big thing of mayonnaise. And I'm going to take that. And I get that in a bag. And I go over to my neighbor. I'm like, here. The Lord told me to buy you some groceries. So here they are. And I pop him down in his lap, and I go back home, and on the way inside, I think, you know what? Going to the grocery store, man, that really got me hungry. And I could really go for some sweet tea and some chips and some peanut butter pretzels right now. And I go into the kitchen, and I open up the cabinets, and lo and behold, guess what I find? I've got sardines and beets, and mayonnaise. The way you give to others is the way God will give to you.
let me ask you something. Rubber meets the road. Could it be that God has given you exactly what you are giving someone else? Could it be that's what's going on in your life right now? You kind of wonder why everything just seems to be getting a little chaotic. You kind of wonder why you just never feel any peace. You kind of wonder why you can just never see the joy that others feel. You kind of wonder why life just smells a little bit like sardines. Could it be that, could it be that God's just given you what you're giving to others? He's saying, fine, if that's the way you want to live, if that's the way you want to treat people, then you go right ahead. But understand this, your diet is not going to change until you change. You look around at other Christians, they're not as sour as you are. They seem to be enjoying the delicacies of God and you're stuck with the beets and the Brussels sprouts. You've always wondered why they look happy and why you feel so cranky, and maybe now you know. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to change a menu, an opportunity to have something different. Would you like some peace? Then quit giving your neighbor such a hassle. You want to enjoy God's generosity? Then why not let others enjoy yours? Would you like the assurance that God has forgiven you? I think you need to know what you need to do. Each Sunday we come together and we have lessons and we pray and we sing and now at the conclusion of a study we, we sing something called a song of encouragement and we invite people to come and to confess their faith in Christ and to be baptized and to start a new life and it's a wonderful thing when individuals do that. But we also offer opportunities for people to come and say, you know what, if you're going through difficulty and if you're struggling in areas, you know, we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to wrap our arms around you. We don't always take advantage of this time just to come and say, you know what, I'm getting what I'm giving and I need to repent. Some reason, over time, Repentance and shame have gone together. When in Scripture, repentance is always linked with rejoicing. And so we're, we're going to sing. Derek, what song are we going to sing next? What is it? Here's my heart. And maybe you just need to come and say, Lord, here's my heart. And I want to receive something different. And I know that we've got individuals here who will wrap their arms around you. We've got our shepherds who will come and, and offer prayer for you. But folks, let's get real. God's grace was given to you so that you might share it with others. So that you might be generous with what you've been given. But if you are one of those hoarders and if you've been someone who has held on to the mercy and held on to the peace and held on to the forgiveness, then let me tell you, life is just going to be sardines for you. And you can still come and you can still worship, but you will never enjoy the true fruit of a relationship with God. And so I'm going to ask you now, would you come?
to the feast. Would you come to the feast of God and pour out your heart to Him, opening yourself up so that He might truly live through you. No shame, only rejoicing as together we stand and give praise.